You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Blake Sullivan of Roto Baller. Welcome in. This is the Hot Take Podcast. We are back for another episode, episode 43. We are going to talk some late-round QBs today. We are going to get in some in-or-out off-season edition. So I'm excited for that. Basically, we're going to pick two players, and we're going to have to pick between them straight up. Who, who do you want on your team? Who do you have faith in? I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Blake Sullivan. And we were just talking some football. We're talking this full-time fantasy network uh, best ball league that we're in. Blake, I know you're excited to be a part of it. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. Anytime you can get DeAndre Hopkins with the eighth pick in the draft, you know, it's going to be a good draft after that, man. Yeah, seven straight running backs go off the board. Uh, so we have to be the trendsetters per usual. Uh, we're We're used to it at this point. You know, we've – been doing this for about a year uh, with the podcast and you know we're, we're seasoned vets at this point Blake you know they want to look at us as the young bucks but but we're, we're getting there man we're getting some uh, some veteran salve yeah call it what you may we we just get the championships man that's all that matters <laughs> we play for rings <laughs> yeah so we're gonna get right into it before we get into the late round QBs before we get into in or out there's a conundrum we got to talk about in 2019 that I think people are going to talk about for a long time, whether it be good or bad. Like we're going to look back at 2019 and be like, Oh, that was the worst pick. Why did anyone pick this guy? Or they're going to be like, man, you know what? Good thing. I picked him. Good thing. I took a chance. And that's Damian Williams because he's in a prime position. Let's be honest. He is, as of right now, as of June 25th, 2019, he is the starting running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. We know what that offense is. We know that, you know, even if there's a drop-off in production from last year for this Kansas City Chiefs offense, they're still going to be great. Um, Blake, talk to me about Damian Williams. What is your thought process? I mean, we haven't really talked much about him at length. So just tell me what you think about Damian Williams. Yeah, I mean, I think Damian Williams has a chance to be a pretty good player this year, but uh, I'm just a little bit concerned that people are jumping the gun a little bit, trying to take him too early. You know, he did have a good end of the year there where he had a couple games over 100 yards, but he just didn't do anything that was mind-blowing to me. You know, they've got Carlos Hyde behind him, who does have a chance to take that starting role if he plays well. Uh, I'm not sure that that's going to happen but he could at least eat into some of those carries Damian Williams is going to get. And last year, you know, he had 5.12 yards per attempt rushing and 6.96 yards per reception. Uh, You know, those are decent numbers, but he was only getting around 10 carries a game. So he had five carries, eight carries, 10, 13, and 11 in his last five games last year. Right. You know, that's nothing too exciting for me. I want somebody who's going to get at least 15 to 20 carries a game. Uh, so uh, with people taking him up there in the second, third round, it's just way too early for me. 
Yeah, you know, in all fairness, at 5.12 uh, yards per game, that's factored into, you know, the other three games that he played where he had a total of three rushing attempts. So that average is probably a little bit up. But like you said, still limited workload um, and only 100 yards rushing in in one game, one of those five games. So he really didn't impress, you know, uh, in the first – two weeks so like you know against Baltimore and you know that's a stout defense eight carries 14 yards uh and then four receptions for 16 yards what saved him there was two touchdowns he had a rushing and receiving touchdown so you really overlooked that he only had 30 yards total in that game um and of course that is against the Ravens like I said uh, nobody can really run on the Ravens and you can't expect a guy like Damian Williams to be able to show out against them uh what do we know about Damian Williams is that he was very uh, underwhelming as a Miami Dolphin. Um, so we can't expect him to ball out against a team like the Ravens. Um, he had a great game against Seattle, 13 carries for 103 yards, uh, seven receptions for 37 yards and a touchdown. The, the, no matter who it is in this position is going to have value because you're standing back there with Patrick Mahomes he opens up everything. You have to play the pass. There, there's no way you can stack the box. So Damian Williams is going to have every opportunity to get a five-yard pop uh, here and there. And then, you know, it, it just comes down to if he can break that. Um, but I think we have to talk a little bit about Carlos Hyde. Is Carlos Hyde good enough to take this job, Blake? I mean, do you think that he's just fallen off completely? Or do you think at 29 years old, you know, he can step in and potentially take this job if Damian Williams isn't getting it done. I think it's one of those scenarios that, uh, you know, maybe in camp or something, uh, he shows more improvement over Damian Williams. Or, you know, maybe Damian Williams gets hurt one week, Hyde steps in, has a good week, and that's all she wrote. So, you know, you're talking about the six touchdowns that Damian Williams had in his last four games. You know, yeah, that's going to be more than what Hyde's provided throughout the course of his career. But then again, you know, I don't think that six touchdowns in four games is a very sustainable pace. Um, so I'd really like to see Hyde come back into this offense. A guy that's kind of a true rusher can get you close to that thousand yard rushing per year, you know, provide you six or seven touchdowns. And I'd, I'd live with that. But I just don't think that Damian Williams is going to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, that, so, look, Carlos Hyde in 2017 was the RB10 overall in the Kyle Shanahan offense. He was the workhorse back. He's getting killed because he wasn't efficient. I get it. But he had 59 receptions. I mean, that is a big number at the running back position. Um, and, you know, and then what did he do? He got traded – or, I'm sorry, he signed with the, uh, with the Cleveland Browns. And he popped off at the beginning of the year. I mean, he was a top 10 guy again. He was getting 22 carries, 16, 23, 22, 17, and he was scoring touchdowns. It, it was huge for fantasy football if you drafted Carlos Hyde. Um, I know I did, you know, because I, I, like, you know I like to draft wide receivers. I stack up on wide receivers, getting them drafts, and then Carlos Hyde, the starting running back for the Cleveland Browns, was sitting there. So what did he do for me? He did five touchdowns, four games. That, you know, and what does that sound like? 
That sounds like what Damian Williams did, right? Six touchdowns in four games. Well, Carlos Hyde did that as a Cleveland Brown at the beginning of last year. Of course, he had a lot more volume to work with. And, you know, in that Browns offense, with Todd Haley, you know you're getting at the one-yard line, you're pounding the ball in. So that was the advantage uh, with Carlos Hyde as Cleveland Brown. It didn't work out as a Jaguar. He was Leonard Fournette's backup. So now he has an opportunity. I'm looking at this as an opportunity. So, look, you can draft Damian Williams in the second round. And this is what we're talking about. This is when busts show their face in the second round, first round. You're not really going to bust if you're a fourth-round pick. Look, if you're a fourth-round pick and you don't pan out, you, you're going to be all right. But this second round is when it is so vital. So I'm looking at Fantasy Football Calculator, and they got Damian Williams at the 208 on average. Um, I mean, playing the simple, Blake, at the 208, if Damian Williams is there, are you taking him? Absolutely not. You know, I might consider it at the very end of the third or the beginning of the fourth. Uh, but even then, I'm just a little bit worried. You know, there's guys on here that I trust a little bit more than than him. You know, you've got Aaron Jones and Marlon Mack down here. A full round later at 306 and 307, their spots are locked in. Uh, maybe their ceilings aren't there like Damian Williams has a higher ceiling. But I feel much safer taking those guys. And that's going to allow me to take another guy around where Damian Williams is, maybe like Mike Evans or Adam Thielen that you can trust too. And, you know, you want to talk about this fear of the unknown. You know, you got to, you know, scared money don't make money. And look, I get it. But I would much rather get on Johnson in the third round than Damian Williams in the second. And I'm confident that on Johnson, who we saw last year uh, at – you know, we saw a little bit more of him in this offense than we saw Damian Williams. But there's still this breakout that needs to happen in order for Carrion to return value in that third round. I'm very confident in getting Carrion Johnson in the third round, and I think that he will outproduce Damian Williams next season. Getting started early on the in or outs here. I know, yeah. Uh, we'll do a little preview of the in or outs. Who is it, Carrion or Damian Williams? Yeah, I think I'm going to lean with Carrion Johnson, but again – on Johnson is another guy that I'm a little bit worried about, too, with having a backup behind him. He's got C.J. Anderson there now. So, you know, we saw what he did with Gurley last year, and maybe it was just out of necessity more than anything. But if they give him a chance in this offense and he goes off like he did at the end of the year last year, you might see another another chance where C.J. Anderson is going to cut into some of those carries that on Johnson is going to get. And we've all seen it with that with that Detroit Lions offense that they like to throw the football. So, um, you know, I'm still a little bit scared of on Johnson, but I think the Lions are going to have more of a bounce back year this year. So, you know, if they're picking up more first downs, I think it's going to lead to more carries. So maybe on Johnson has a slight improvement over last year, and I have him slightly over Damian Williams. If they cut Theo Riddick, would you feel better about uh, on Johnson? Um. You know, I might feel a little bit better just because I feel like if they cut Theo Riddick, they can use C.J. Anderson more as the on-ground kind of guy, yeah. and they can get uh, they can get on Johnson a few more receptions. Uh, I think that's a scenario you might see play out, whereas right now Theo Riddick's kind of locked into that receiving back kind of role. But, you know, I think either way, on Johnson's still going to get the ball plenty because he's very talented. He could be an explosive player. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that cutting Theo Riddick would help him out that much. 
Yeah, 118 carries, 5.4 yards per carry. So that's enough volume to be like, okay, he can sustain over five yards per carry. And then in 10 games, he had 32 catches. I like that a lot from carry-on, even with Theo Riddick out there. It seems like they, they were using him uh, in that way, kind of like in a sneakily way. Like we don't realize that he was actually used as a pass catcher. Right. Yeah, he is very good at catching catching the ball. I mean, you look at 82% catch percentage, just, that's pretty good. I mean, for a running back, you like that number to be higher than a wide receiver anyway, but that's pretty good. So, you know, the thing is, like I said, if they're picking up first downs more, you get C.J. Anderson to bring up those second and third and shorts, and then you can have a guy like on Johnson picking up first downs through the air. He, he could be in for some bigger plays too. Going back to the point of Damian Williams, look, when you're drafting, if you get a running back at the beginning of the draft, you, let's say you start off and you get, you know, Alvin Kamara, and then you're in the back of the second round and you got Damian Williams, it is so much more advantageous, in my opinion, to get a wide receiver. And look, you can get Mike Evans, you get Antonio Brown, potentially Juju Smith-Schuster in that late second round. Uh, someone who is going to put up consistent production for you. Um, and then uh, going to, back to Carlos Hyde, he's a 10th round pick right now. I think it's worth the shot on a Carlos Hyde just in case. Um, he could get some sort of standalone value even with Damian Williams out there. And if anything were to happen to Damian Williams, including him just not being good enough, Carlos Hyde's going to step in. I think that Damian Williams is going to be used more as a pass catcher. And, you know, look, if he is, he's going to get like 50 receptions. Uh, so that's something, you know, that is going to be where he can actually return value is if he's used as the consistent pass catcher throughout the season. Um, I just don't think he is good enough to be that. But it's like, who else is it going to be? Is it going to be Darwin Thompson, their sixth round draft pick? I don't know. So that's where I'm thinking like, okay, Damian Williams could have some value in this passing game. Um, regardless of Carlos Hyde, regardless of anything else, he could still get 50 receptions in this offense. Cool. Anything else on Damian Williams, Blake? No, I mean, I think you brought up a great point there with the receiving, especially if Tyreek Hill goes out for the year or something crazy happens there. Right. Uh, then maybe you, you really do see that value come into play where you could afford to take him in the early third maybe, but still in the second round, I'm not going to touch him. All right. Yeah, we're going to get into some of these late-round QBs. Um, but we want to talk about Draft Pros. Draft Pros is a draft service we are offering. Uh, it's myself, Blake Sullivan, Nate Hamilton, and Jeff Lambert. We are located on thefsgn.com. That is Blake's website. He is the CEO of thefsgn.com. And we are offering a draft service where you can pick an expert and we are going to draft with you. Uh, we are going to be live video chatting with you through Skype, through Zoom, whatever service you prefer. And we are going to be drafting there with you. You're on the clock and we're going to be there talking you through it. So, you know, kind of how we're talking about Damian Williams right now, we probably would be trying to talk you out of Damian Williams, but still giving you like, look, this is what, this, these are the realities of Damian Williams. Uh, you need to have the options um, and have all the knowledge. And then, of course, it's up to you to make the pick. So we want to offer you that, you know, that personalized service. Of course, uh, we will give you, get you ready for the draft and then give you a draft synopsis at the end. Um, anything I'm missing with the draft pros, Blake? 
No, I think you hit it right on. You know, we want it to be your team. So if there's a guy you want to call your shot on or whatever, you know, we're going to let you do that. But if we have reservations about it, we're not going to hesitate to tell you why. We're going to tell you what we would do. You know, everything we can do to help give you that edge. And we're really starting to get into that prime season. And, you know, we've seen all these ADPs all year long. You, me, Nate, and Jeff, we've all been doing tons of drafts. So we've got all these under our belt. We know what's going on. We know how guys are going to fall. Uh, we know our different scenarios and things like that. So it's really a valuable tool for those of you who may have not done any drafts yet this year. You've got your first draft coming up. Uh, you want somebody to walk through it with you. Or if obviously, if you can't make it at all, we'll do our proxy draft service for you. So, you know, be sure to go check it out on the FSGN.com and click on Draft Pros. Let's get into these late round QBs. So, look. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, they're going to be there. And I usually see them going like back to back. They're kind of lumped in the same category at this point, which is very interesting because they're two different quarterbacks. Um, and then Sam Darnold and Matthew Stafford, who I see a lot of similarities with too. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting the way I'm looking at it here. Um, but like, I want you to just talk about one of these guys. Um, who do you think is kind of getting like slept on and who can really bounce back uh, in 2019? Yeah, so the guy for me is going to be Matt Stafford. And, you know, this guy had seven straight seasons of over 40, uh, 4,200 passing yards. And one of those years was over 5,000 even. And then last year, he only got 3,700 yards. And, you know, everybody's just like, oh, Matt Stafford, you know, he sucks. He's awful. Right. Uh, you know, I drafted him. So I, I kind of get it, you know. I picked him because he was this consistent guy. Uh, you look at his attempts, and his attempts were down a little bit, not so much from the last year, but from years past. You know, he's down 50 to 100 attempts. You know, but the touchdowns is really the only problem. That's the main thing that was down last year, down eight from the year before, uh, and it was actually his third lowest year ever, including his first two years where he only played 13 games total. Right. So you've got a guy that for the last eight years has played in every single game, whether or not he's been hurt or whatever. And last year he did have some of those uh, uh, back issues. So that is something to consider. But, you know, he, he's got some weapons. We saw Kenny Galladay get developed last year, and I think that was a really big key for him uh, to add a guy like that into the offense because, you know, they got rid of Golden Tate. Uh, so it was basically just Marvin Jones there. But now they've got Jermaine Curse. Danny Amendola as well. And the big thing for me is they added Jesse James and TJ Hawkinson. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have the possibility of having two tight ends out there, which, you know, not necessarily so much for the receiving game as much as for the blocking game, uh, because you did see them struggle last year, especially with carry on Johnson's smaller back. You know, it's tough to block some of those linebackers coming in. So now you're going to have two tight ends out there. Both of those guys are really good blockers, and both of them can spread the field. So you're going to be able to do some interesting things with that offense, and I think you're going to see the touchdown numbers climb back up closer to 30. Uh, I think it'll probably be around 27 or 28, and I think it'll probably be around that 4,200 yards this year. So this is a guy that you can literally get in one of your next-to-last rounds of your draft. So a guy for me that has just extreme value – um, and I'm going to scroll through here and look for his ADP real quick, Stephen, if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, well, I mean, 
we talk about the weapons and the two tight end sets. What are they trying to do in Detroit? It's the Patriots 2.0. They want two tight ends and they want multiple guys in the slot who can work out of there like a Danny Amendola. Look, he's back in a Patriots sort of system with Matt Patricia. Uh, he's very familiar with Danny Amendola. He wants to use him in the slot. They want to kind of get into small ball, kind of dink and dunk, and then open up when when it uh, presents itself on the deep ball. And who do you have on the outside? And Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, two guys who can just get up and get the ball, whether it be in the red zone. And we've seen in the past, Matthew Stafford is very good at passing the ball in the red zone. It was a down year in the first year in a new system. And his floor, if we're talking about 3,700 yards, that's fine if that's his floor, because I think it is. I don't think he's going to get less than 3,700 yards this year. And, you know, talking about on Johnson again, if they use him more in the passing game, which I think they're going to, we already know they use him. I think they're going to use him more this year. That's going to help Matthew Stafford a lot. Uh, look at what Tom Brady has been able to do with, you know, uh, James White at, at his, uh, in his toolbox. So, look, I think it's wheels up for Matthew Stafford. And like you said, Blake, nobody's drafting him. So, you know, we're talking about these guys here. If you don't wait on a quarterback, or I'm sorry, if you wait on the quarterback, Stafford's a guy that you can get. And he, I think he has top 12 upside, and no one's talking about him in that category. Yeah, so Stafford is the number 26 overall, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. 1411 is where you're getting him. So you literally could probably take him with the last pick of your draft uh, in some of these cases. Uh, you know what I mean? Matt Stafford's just going to be there for a long time. And, you know, you're talking about that upside he's got. Another thing I'm looking at is he has a week five bye week. Now, you know, there's obviously going to be other teams on bye and stuff, but you get into this, this grind between, you know, like week eight and week 12 where it seems like you've always got to go to the waiver wire to find somebody uh, to, for your team because you've got two or three people on bye weeks. When you're looking at a week five bye week, you're probably not going to have to worry about, uh, about that. So when you get into your week eight or nine or ten when your other quarterback's probably on bye, you're going to be able to plug in Matt Stafford and just feel confident with that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that you're finding a lot of reliability with Matt Stafford at a great value. Um, so Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are two other guys. So you're going to have to pay a little bit more for them, but still, I mean, they're still going to be like 10th round, 11th round picks. These guys are both rushing quarterbacks. One is a deep ball thrower. And the other is trying to find his rhythm in the passing game in the NFL. Um, really, you could say that for both guys. Um, but Josh Allen, I think, gives you more of the upside with the deep ball throws because he's actually one of the better pa deep ball passers uh, in the league in terms of just sheer power, um, not necessarily accuracy. But I think guys like Robert Foster – um, will be able to help out in that regard. John Brown, they went out and got, who, uh, you know, it was one of the league leaders in dot last year, 16.7 yards per target. Um, so Josh Allen has a real chance. Um, and, you know, at the end of the year, we know what he did. Um, he was the uh, – he was a top – he was a QB1 for the last five games of the season. He was the QB1 week 16 – or week 17, um, you know, which isn't really – helping you out most likely but you know if we're talking about week 15 he was the qb3 overall 
Um, and then he was a QB one in two other weeks before that. So Josh Allen really showed out at the end of the year. Um, it's going to be a lot of garbage time with Josh Allen. Um, he did prove that he was a winner though last year, Blake. You know, he did beat the Vikings when no one thought that they could. Um, and that was very early <laughs> on in the season. Um, he did do that. Yeah. So look, I think that he's a ball player, and Lamar Jackson. He's a little bit more laid back, but he can run boy can fly and that's what the Ravens want to do so if you want a running quarterback these are your two guys Um, there's a lot of questions in the passing game obviously but that's why I want to talk about Sam Darnold because I saw a very good pocket passer at times Blake I have to like emphasize at times last year because he really you know like week one you know they go out and they beat the, uh, the Lions on national television on Monday Night Football, where Darnold didn't play great, but he did just enough to win the game. And he had some ups and downs. He had some growing pains throughout the season. Uh, and then, of course, he missed a couple games, uh, too. But a game that I know you're familiar with, Week 12, or was it Week 12? When did they play the – oh, I think it was Week 16, actually. No, it was Week 16 against the Green Bay Packers. So Sam Darnold, again, in a shootout with Aaron Rodgers, goes 24-35 for 341, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, He really showed out. And I think this is what we saw. Like, I know that the Green Bay Packers secondary was banged up. That's why this happened, okay? Like, if you saw the Green Bay Packers on your schedule. uh, Banged up or gave up? (laughs) Yeah, both. Both. They followed suit with the quarterback is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a complete different story uh, this year for Green Bay Packers. But Darnold found his rhythm with Robbie Anderson. And that's what really, like, is going to separate him. Is going to be the deep ball with Robbie Anderson, who really came on at the end of last year. Um, he started to utilize, you know, because we, we saw it was like, man, unless Josh McCown is playing, you know, Robbie Anderson is not a factor. But then Darnold started to find his his true wide receiver one. Uh, you know, I don't think they view him that way. I think they want to use a lot of their weapons. But Robbie Anderson is their best guy. Um, so then you get into go into 2019. Look, they got Le'Veon Bell, who is, if not the best, he's a top three pass catcher out of the backfield. They want to set up Sam Darnold for greatness. So Le'Veon Bell is going to help. Sam Darn a lot. You get him underneath and Le'Veon can take it, you know, 10, 20 yards down the field. That just is chunks of points for your quarterback. Um, something that the, a, lot, a lot of people are looking at, okay, who is their pass catching running back? Because that helps when it comes to the floor of the quarterback. So I think that you're walking into now a safe floor if Le'Veon Bell is on the field. And then, of course, you have the big ceiling with a Robbie Anderson and then everything else underneath, you know, you got Jamison Crowder who can take it to the house. Um, you got Quincy and Chris Herndon. Uh, it looks like he's going to be suspended for two games, but still a, a great, uh, you know, field stretcher at the tight end position and a great red zone threat who he really utilized last year. I'm seeing a lot of weapons for Sam Darnold right now. And again, you're not going to have to pay for him more risk, uh, you know, inherited with Sam Darnold because you don't have the rushing floor of a Lamar Jackson or a, uh, a Josh Allen. But, you know, you're not going to have to pay it all for Sam Darnold. He's going in, like, you know, the last rounds of drafts, uh, just like Matthew Stafford. So you can get Sam Darnold. I'm looking at the ADP right now, 1409. Um, 
like again, if you wait on a quarterback and you really want to wait, you just find value at other positions. I think you could do a lot worse than Sam Darnold. Um, so, you know, look, what, how how do you feel about Sam Darnold, Blake? What what are your uh, what were your thoughts last year when you were watching him play? You know, when I watched him, uh, I kind of felt like he was a little bit reserved. Uh, I kind of wanted to see him just go out there and throw the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, he did a pretty good job. You know, the last three games, no turnovers. He had that terrible game against Miami where he had four interceptions, uh, just kind of a fluke game. But, you know, if he can stay away from the turnovers and get that touchdown number up a little bit, I think he's going to be a heck of a player. And I think having Le'Veon Bell there is going to help out a lot. If he can get, you know, a course of the season an extra four or five touchdowns with Le'Veon Bell, you're looking at him being up to – that puts him at 21 or 22 touchdowns. Uh, and then you take out those couple of weeks where he was hurt, and you might have a guy that's at 27 or 28 touchdowns and uh, a little over 3,000 yards, and you're looking at pretty solid season. You know, he's going to be a QB2 probably. Um, but a guy that you're definitely happy with taking at the end of a draft. Yeah, there's a lot of talent at the quarterback position, so it's going to be really tough for him to enter that QB1 range. Uh, but what you're looking at is like a high-end streamer. So if you're looking and you see you know, a matchup like last year with that Green Bay Packers, well, that was kind of like a green light there. you know, And you probably should have known to play Sam Darnold if you were streaming the quarterback position. Or in DFS, he was probably a very cheap option. Uh, and he really paid off for you. So, look, you know, again, you can wait at the till the end of drafts and you can grab up Sam Darnold. Or, look, he's most likely going to be on waivers. And then you can stream this guy uh, when it's applicable uh, against a poor defense. So, that's why I'm liking Sam Darnold. He's got a lot of weapons. I think this Jets offense is being a little bit underrated. So, let's get into these in or outs. And this is just straight up picking two guys. And you got to pick one, Blake. Um, and we're going to rotate here. So I'm looking at the ADP right now, and I'm seeing two wide receivers, two big play guys. Um, Paris Campbell, the Indianapolis Colts rookie, or Tyrell Williams, Oakland Raiders. Are you going to say their ADPs, or am I going to say my, say my thing, and then we'll see what their ADPs are? Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's say it at the end. Okay, I like that. Yeah, so for me, I'm probably going to go with Paris Campbell – uh, I really like his upside more than Tyrell Williams, I think. <laughs> I said I think because, obviously, Tyrell Williams could have a great season. He has big play potential. <sighs> Man, that's really tough, you know. We haven't seen it from Paris Campbell yet in the NFL, which is what makes that really tough. But I truly believe that with Andrew Luck there, uh, they're going to have a special connection. You know, you're going to have T.Y. Hilton spreading the field. You're going to have him. You're going to have Ebron. You know, that offense is just going to be so high-powered. When you look at Tyrell Williams going from L.A. to Oakland, uh, if he was on L.A., he's already got that connection with Phillip Rivers, and I'm, I like that, but I think I would still take Paris Campbell over him just because you look at what the Colts have there with T.Y. Uh, T. Hilton and you add in Paris Campbell and Eric Ebron. They're really high-powered offense. Going to be able to move the ball down the field quickly. Uh and hopefully he'll be able to add some touchdowns too. You know, I'd like to see Andrew Luck use him as kind of his go-to guy, uh, but he's really going to have to cement that role before I could say for a hundred percent without a doubt him over Tyrell Williams. But I have concerns with Williams and Derek Carr. Obviously Antonio Brown's going to want the ball there and they're still going to run the ball quite a bit. So 
I just worry about his upside. Even when he was in uh, L.A. and San Diego there, he had 69, 43, and 41 receptions. So not a whole lot of volume there. Yeah, the difference is going to be, like you mentioned, there's a lot of weapons in Indianapolis. Uh, they're going to want to spread the ball around a lot. Paris Campbell, being a rookie, might have, you know, might have to wait a little bit for his turn. Uh, you know, you got Devin Funches, you got the two tight ends, and, of course, T.Y. Hilton. Tyrell Williams is interesting because the targets might be a little bit more funneled. Like, I'm looking at Tyrell Williams as the opposite of Antonio Brown right now. So – the targets might be a little bit more funneled, but I do think that Gruden wants to rotate receivers. Uh, so both of these guys have high upside. So yeah, I, I like your, your analysis. I think Paris Campbell has a, has a great chance in this Colts offense, which, you know, between the two, you got to pick the Colts offense as being the better, more high powered, more reliable fantasy offense. Cool. So, Hey, I guess it's my turn here. Or so how are those, uh, how are those ADPs there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so actually both of these guys, uh, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, both at the end of the 11th round, both of the 11-12 ADP. Um, they're, both, they're literally the same ADP. So, you know, it's just – it's going to be straight up on, your, on the clock in, in this 11th, 12th round. Who do you want, Tyrell or Paris Campbell? So, yeah, I think you laid out some good points. Um, it, it's pretty much preference, and it's going to be like – you know, who do you want to rely on more? Who has the best chance of having more big games? And I think you're right. I think it's Paris Campbell because of Andrew Luck. So I got one here. It's kind of surprising me a little bit. Uh, we got we got uh, Peyton Barber, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? And then we're going to throw in Jarek McKinnon, Ooh. San Francisco. So, you know, you got two guys that should be – the starting running back in on each team, but that they do have other people in that offense that could take away that role. So how are you going to go about this? So the way I'm feeling at this moment is I've been looking a lot at Tevin Coleman and being like, man, we're not talking about Tevin Coleman again. Right. Cause like last year, you and I were hip to Tevin Coleman. You more. Yeah. So. You I were, died on that hill. You did. But see, this is what happens in fantasy. When you die on a hill, you don't, rejuvenated the next season when you when you probably should and that's what I'm thinking this year because now that we're getting reports this is what I saw the other day with fan for out of 49ers camp of the four um running backs all four are going to make the team Tevin Coleman Jarek McKinnon Matt Breida and Raheem Mostart Raheem Mostart is locked for every week play because he's their best special teams player so he's always going to play but what the report said was one of those three that I just mentioned is not going to suit up on a given week. So what that tells me is both Matt Burita and Jarek McKinnon are questionable as of right now for like week one because of their injury. Uh, you know, uh, Jarek McKinnon is behind on the ACL right now, actually. And then Matt Burita, I think it was an, uh, it was an, it was an arm if I'm not mistaken, but he also had lower extremity uh, injuries throughout last season. My point is this. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to pay up a little bit more for Jarek McKinnon. While I don't like Pe uh, Peyton Barber at all, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. I would go Peyton Barber over Jarek McKinnon because I think I'm going to have to pay a little bit more for Jarek, uh, maybe a couple rounds more, where I'm just more inclined to get Tevin Coleman, and that's the only uh, 49ers running back at this point I feel confident in. So I'm going to go Peyton Barber in this. 
Yeah, so I'm also going to go Peyton Barber. Uh, I just found this kind of interesting where you look at the situations where both guys, you know, have the talent to be the starter, but there's other people around them that might kind of cut into that. People are paying for Jarek McKinnon. It's a 9.10. And then you can come down here later in the 11.12, almost three rounds later, and get Peyton Barber. So I think Peyton Barber offers a great value. Definitely a guy I'm looking to target. You know, maybe Ronald Jones is going to cut into some of that role, but I think Peyton Barber is still going to get enough carries to make him fantasy relevant that late in the draft. Yeah, I mean, as unimpressive as Peyton Barber is, he's still the better pass catcher uh, between the two. And we know Bruce Arians uses a three-down back. So I don't know what they're going to do, you know, at this point in Tampa Bay. It's one of the most interesting cases for running backs. Um, I still think they're going to add somebody. I mean, between Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. But at this point in time, like, if you tell me that both of those guys, yeah, I I like Peyton Barber because of his pass catching, actually, Uh, which sounds weird to say. Um, So let me give you one here. I gave you wide receivers last time, so I'll go running back. Let's go Rashad Penny or Royce Freeman. Ooh, I, I think this is a really good conversation to have right here. Again, both of these guys are going to be the secondary players. Uh, presumably, you would think that Philip Lindsay would continue to be the lead back there, and then Chris Carson's going to be the lead back in Seattle. Uh, I was a huge fan of Rashad Penny. I think he's a great player. You look at last year, he only had 85 rushes, but – um, he did have 419 yards, only two touchdowns. You know, that kind of holds him back. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he's a really good player. But, again, Royce Freeman's a great player, too. And he's a guy that can add the touchdowns is the big thing. You know, he had five touchdowns last year. He did have more carries, 130 compared to that 85. You know, his yards per attempt were definitely lower, almost a full yard. Uh, Royce Freeman's a word, that is. But, man, I think, honestly, this is going to have to come down to an injury, in my opinion. I think Chris Carson's going to get to rock plenty. Um, you know, with Joe Flacco there now in Denver, you know, kind of – I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're going to be a little bit more confident passing the ball on third downs. So, maybe that means that they're going to be more confident running on first and second down. Uh, whereas a lot of times we saw – with the carousel of quarterbacks they've had over the last couple of years, they had to pass on first down to try to get a first down before it got too late in that set. So, you know, I think I'm going to lean Royce Freeman here, even though I'm a huge Rashad Penny fan. I think Penny's going to have a great career, uh, but I like the touchdown upside for Royce Freeman more. And I think that that offense is going to improve more than the offense is going to improve in Seattle. Going into last year, I was really big on Royce Freeman because I saw him beating out uh, De- uh, Devontae Booker. De- I, can't, I saw him beating out Devontae Booker very easily, which he did. But then Philip Lindsay came along, which nobody expected. I mean, literally no one expected Philip Lindsay. I don't think there was, I didn't hear one analyst, one person say, oh, well, you got to worry about Philip Lindsay because that <laughs> would have been, you know, a nice little tip. Uh, when you know you were drafting Royce Freeman maybe in the sixth round last year. Um, I like Royce Freeman a lot. Rashad Penny has the first round pedigree. And by the way, props to you for having the Rashad Penny stats ready to go because I had I did not say anything about Rashad Penny going into this show. So I don't know where you pulled those stats out of, but that was awesome. It's gotta um, be quick. Gotta be quick with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that uh, millennial typing ability, just like pull it up. 
but you know, look, what Royce Freeman did last year for you when uh, when Philip Lindsay missed the game at the end of last year, and you know, Royce Freeman had some nice games. You know, he had 53 yards and a touchdown against the Ravens. Uh, that's a nice game for you. Uh, but at the end of last year, if you were playing DFS, you saw Philip Lindsay go down. 17 carries for 60 yards for Royce, and then eight receptions for 43 yards. Which, look, going in the last year, the one thing that I was thinking that a lot of people, I think, weren't, you know, Royce Freeman's a bigger guy. He's ground and pound type of dude. No, he's also a pass catcher. Uh, he played at Oregon where he got a lot of car- a lot of carries, uh, but when he was used in the passing game, he can play. Uh, he can flat out run routes, uh, and he can catch the ball very nicely. Kind of, you know, bearing the lead on what's something I just said, Philip Lindsay missed a couple of games last year um, and wasn't able to play in the Pro Bowl because of an injury, which he, which he made. He was a Pro Bowler last year. He had over 1,000 yards rushing, uh, was great in the passing game. Philip Lindsay had a fantastic season. But what I'm seeing here between Chris Carson and Philip Lindsay is Chris Carson can maintain 20 carries a game. I just don't know if Philip Lindsay can. I think Royce Freeman is more of that guy. Freeman has more of a chance, in my opinion, to come in and get the, the, the lion's share um, if Philip Lindsay just can't do it. Uh, I think Chris Carson is good to go. Um, he was a seventh-round pick, of course, you know, and, and, and you got quite the opposite with Sharp Penny being a, a number one or a first-round pick. So, you know, both of these guys have a big chance to, uh, to take the job. So I think, you know, taking a chance on one of these guys is smart. But, look, you can pay around less for Royce Freeman. And, you know, what do we know about Joe Flacco? He's always had running backs to rely on in Baltimore. It's, he comes from a run-first type of offense. What do we know about the Broncos? They want to run the ball. They are always a run-first offense ever since John Elway has been there, uh, besides, of course, when Peyton Manning was there. Um, now I don't think that they're going to go away from the run. I think they still want to run. Royce Freeman still has standalone value, as does Rashad Penny. So I'm going to go Royce Freeman for, for the reasons of Philip Lindsay being maybe just not having the legs uh, to be a full workhorse. It sounds like we're on the same lines here. What do we got for ADP on these two guys? So Royce Freeman, 806, and then Rashad Penny, 702. So you definitely They're pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. I don't think there's much of a risk there, uh, you know, if you want – it would be pretty much preference, you know. Pick your. Guy. I think I'd be I'd be very happy with either of those guys in the eighth round, honestly. Yeah, no, and 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 Rashad Penny could certainly slip into the eighth round, uh, as could Royce Freeman slip into the ninth or tenth. So, uh, to you know, what, either one of these guys could have value next year, uh, standalone, or they could just run away with a job and win you a league. Uh, to be honest, you know, so I, I like both of these guys for next season. Now that I'm looking at it more. So you went with uh, you went with the wide receivers first. I went with running backs first. Now I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go back to wide receivers here. Uh, I got a guy coming off of an injury season, and I've got a rookie for you. Both team, both of these players uh, have the same bye week. We've got Enkeel Harry, New England Patriots, and we got Will Fuller of the Houston Texans. So both of these guys are probably going to be the wide receiver two in their respective offenses. Right. Uh, both of them have great quarterbacks. You know, how are you going to dissect this going into this year? Yeah, this is a tough one. I like both of these guys uh, a good bit. 
I've been kind of like not necessarily fading Will Fuller, but I just am not targeting him as much right now. Um, you know, I think what we've seen from Will Fuller in the limited time that he's been out there is he's a big play guy. And I love that on my team. Um, that being said, you know, between the two straight up, Oh, that is tough. Cause I love Nikhil Harry. I love the position he's in. I'm going to go Harry. I'm going to go Nikhil Harry because he, look, he's a new England Patriot. Like you said, he's the number two, but he's going to line up on the outside for the most part. So it's going to be Edelman in the slot, and it's going to be Nikhil Harry out there. He's going to have every opportunity in the world to, for targets, um, and they're going to be quality targets. We know that because Tom Brady is back there. Um, and when you're talking about he's an outside guy, yeah, but he can also play the slot, and the Patriots love to use multiple slot guys. They could have Edelman and Nikhil Harry both in the slot. Uh, you can you know, have the – the, uh, the screen, the bubble screen that they love to run. Nikhil Harry is just going to have, I think, more quality targets where Will Fuller is going to have more of the deep ball, which is like a 50-50 chance. So Nikhil Harry is actually going to be the guy that I'm going with. I couldn't agree with you more on here. You know, I, I'm a big Will Fuller fan too, uh, but he's had 13 games, 10 games, and seven games in his last three years. He's coming off the ACL injury this year. You know, they say he's going to be back for week one, but, you know, it is a little bit concerning. Uh, the de- he's got 14.6 yards per reception over the course of his career. So those are great numbers. Uh, but I worry just a little bit about, one, his health, and two, how many targets is he going to get? He had 92, 50, and 45 targets. So the targets weren't there. Granted, those would go up if he had played full seasons, but – you know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to take some of those targets. Lamar Miller is going to be running the ball. And then you've got Kiki Kuti, who's also going to bite into some of those targets. Whereas Nikhil Harry, yeah, they're going to do plenty of run game stuff with Sony Michelle. James White's going to get, you know, eight to 10 receptions a game out of the backfield. Uh, and you're going to have to feed Julian Edelman. But once you get outside of that, you know, there is no Gronkowski this year. And Kill Harry, 6'4, 213. He is the big guy that they don't have anymore. Right. He is basically Gronk at the wide receiver position, which was basically Gronk in the first place. You know, he's going to be in for a lot of touchdowns this year, I think. Um, and, you know, in a PPR format, he should still get plenty of receptions to keep you up there. But I thought it was kind of interesting because uh, they've got Will Fuller at the 7-11 and Akil Harry falls down at the eight oh five. So there's a – I mean, it's not a huge gap, but it's no. a, a, a fairly good-sized gap for, for the production that I think Nikhil Harry is going to put up over Will Fuller. You're getting the discount no matter what with Nikhil. And then what we've seen with rookies, uh, maybe this is unique because he's a Patriot, but rookies slip in drafts. Uh, so it could certainly happen with Nikhil Harry because, simply put, people don't know the name. In most of your casual drafts, uh, a lot of people aren't going to be familiar with Nikhil Harry like some of us uh, who talk about fantasy football almost every day. Um, so you're getting the discount there. You're getting – it's kind of like the optimistic unknown that Bob Harris likes to talk about. Um, but, look, who's on the opposite side of uh, Nikhil Harry? It's Philip Dorsett. Um, and what did the Patriots do? They didn't necessarily replace that tight end position with any stud. Um, so they feel comfortable with Nikhil Harry on the outside – and then also being that six four 
big body inside that can kind of replace the underneath stuff that they can put on a mismatch. Because look, what Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, they find a mismatch on offense. And the Nikhil Harry is a mismatch. If they put him inside and you get a linebacker or a safety on man-to-man coverage, it's done. It's a wrap. Tom Brady's going to find that mismatch and he's going to exploit it. So I like Nikhil Harry just because more quality targets. Um, that was a good one, man. Uh, so I'll do one more for you. Um, let me scroll through. Okay. All right. I got to do wide receivers, you know. I mean, come on. Oh, wide receivers where it's at, man. Yeah, I mean, come on. We got to. Sterling Shepard or Corey yeah. Davis? Oh, oh, I don't like Corey Davis, so this is <laughs> automatically kind of kind of down there. But a lot of people talk about Corey Davis every year, so I think maybe it's important to talk about him. Um, <laughs> you know, is real. well, I mean, he's a good player, but he just has a hard time on that offense. You know, sure. Anybody's going to yeah. now Sterling Shepard, you know, he could have a hard time this year too with OBJ gone. You know, I don't know how successful that offense is going to be. Uh, and one of the things I've seen him coming up in drafts in spots where I'm like, man, I kind of want to take Sterling Shepard. Uh, but another thing is, I don't know whether it's going to be Eli Manning throwing him the ball or Daniel Jones back to Eli Manning. You know, they like to flip flop with him, Right. Uh, you know, take his streak away. That way he can start the next week, that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just don't get what they're doing really, but you know, you just look at the last couple of years, he's going to get more receptions than Corey Davis. Uh, he's going to get more yards probably. Their, you know, their yards per reception is fairly close, 12 and 12.8, with Corey Davis having the edge there. Uh, but when you look at touchdowns, he's got 14 for Sterling Shepard over the last three years. You've only got four in two seasons for Corey Davis. Corey Davis should be much higher than that. Um, I'm going to lean Sterling Shepard here, definitely. But I, I would like to say that Corey Davis is going to be more value, have more value because he's going to be two rounds later in the ADP, but I know the hype on Corey Davis and that's probably not the case. So I'm just going to go with Sterling Shepard straight up. I love this comparison. I didn't even mean to do this, but like, I mean, they are so similar 16 games, both. They both played 16 games, which is great targets. 107 for Sterling Shepard, 112 for Davis, (laughs) 66 receptions for Shepard, 65 for crazy Davis yards. 872 Shepard, 891 Davis. Yards per reception, 13.2 for Shepard, 13.7 for Davis. And then they both had four touchdowns. I mean, you can't get more similar than that. That is like yeah, – that is, that is kind of freaky. So it comes <laughs> down to what do we think can happen this year. I think both players get more targets than last year. You take away Odell Beckham and then – uh, for 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 Shepard and then you for Corey Davis I think they want to get him the ball a little bit more I mean we saw 65 targets in his rookie year 112 in his, his sophomore season I think he's going to be pushed up to like 130 close to that 130 target range now for Shepard I think it's going to be more like 120 I see I can see Corey Davis actually being the more targeted receiver so you're going Sterling Shepard is that right yeah, I'm going to go with Sterling Shepard, but I think Corey Davis has a much higher upside. I think you've kind of seen Sterling Shepard at his ceiling. Right. Uh, 
which I shouldn't say at a ceiling. I think he could do better in a different position mm-hmm. uh, if he were on a different team. But right now, you know, Eli Manning's probably not just going to come out and make Sterling Shepard a 1,200-yard receiver or get him 10 touchdowns or anything crazy like that. And I don't think Daniel Jones will either. So uh, I think that transition might be harder than anything. So if anything, I'm going to see a little bit of regression here in the terms of yards and maybe receptions. And I think his touchdowns will stay the same. So, you know, looking at the numbers, yeah, I'm actually probably going to lean with Corey Davis. I'm telling uh, you, bro. <laughs> I would, I would think that Sterling Shepard's being drafted higher, but like again, like I said, the hype is kind of crazy on Corey Davis. But maybe after these first two years, where he hasn't panned out, you're going to be able to get a better value on Corey Davis. And if you're in a dynasty format, this might be the year that you want to get Corey Davis. Oh, most definitely. I, I agree with that completely. And dynasty formats, uh, Corey Davis is going to be very cheap. Um, someone who can really climb the ADP this season. So he had 891 yards last year, you know, with 16 games, you know, that, that could easily go up into the 1000 yard range. So I think I'm with you. And look, this is something that we have to understand with fantasy football. Things are always changing. It's a constant turntable. I had Sterling Shepard as my wide receiver 24 on our wide receiver two episode. And I like Sterling Shepard. I think he's in that range because he was the 29th wide receiver overall last season. So he is in that range. But Corey Davis definitely has the upside. And if it's between the two, if they're both going to finish as like wide receiver two, wide receiver three, you know, bubble, who's more likely to step into that higher end wide receiver two? Probably Corey Davis. And one thing, you know, Josh ADHD on Twitter he loves Corey Davis. I've been seeing that. And he has Corey Davis at 140 targets. He has him charted out for over 140 targets in 2019. So I think the ceiling for volume is certainly there for Corey Davis. Like, he's going to be the guy who has more targets. That's, I think, something that we can say is certain. Because, yeah, Sterling Shepard is there. Kind of, you can consider him maybe the one, but you got Golden Tate and you got Evan Ingram, and then of course Saquon Barkley. That's a lot of mouths to feed in the passing game. Where you know Davis, yeah, there's a lot. There's you know there's a good amount of receivers, but I think the quality target's going to be there for Davis. Um, and I think I'm ready for a breakout for Corey Davis, man. Yeah, like now that I'm looking at it, because it's only you can only go up um, from what he did last season. Because we know that the, the Titans had a pretty poor season when it comes to passing football. I think that I think there's a lot of upside there. Both of us skeptical just turned to believers on the hot take. <laughs> we just talked ourselves into Corey Davis, man. I don't know if I should be happy or sad about that. It feels but, strange. It feels but, weird. you know, you got to call your shots sometimes. So maybe it's time for a change. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I have not I have no shares of Corey Davis. I have no shares. So that could change here. And then, look, the ADP, Sterling Shepard, 810, 9.07 for Corey Davis. So you're getting a discount in someone who could really have uh, a lot more targets um, going into 2019. Do you see it that way, Blake? Like, do you think – do you see a scenario where Sterling Shepard can get more targets in Corey Davis? Uh, nah. I think, yeah, I think he can get more targets than Corey Davis, but I don't know that the quality of targets are going to be any better just because, you know, it's either going to be Eli Manning or Daniel Jones, and I just don't know how much how much I really want to trust either of those guys. Not that I really trust Mariota that much, but, you know, I think you're kind of 
yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to be so close to each other again this year that this year it's probably not really going to affect you if you're in a redraft situation. Yeah. Uh, maybe you want to go with Sterling Shepard, a guy that you've seen that's kind of been proven more than Corey Davis. But in Dynasty, I'm 100% on Corey Davis. Um, and I think even in redraft, I would lean that way, even though I think it's going to be so close when you're looking at targets. Uh, I think it's going to be very close again. Yeah, we were uh, we had Jim Day on for a mock draft uh, last week. You could check out check out that episode. Uh, but you know, he picked Corey Davis, and one thing he said was, "Look, this is my wide receiver five, and uh, he's obviously the wide receiver one in, in in Tennessee. It's his third year. We know about third year breakouts in fantasy football. That's real at the wide receiver position." It could be wheels up for Corey Davis. I think he, he's in for a solid season uh, now that we're talking about it. So I love that. Live on the hot take, we got talked into Corey Davis somehow. With uh, no guests this week. We did it to ourselves. We, yep. It was all self-inflicted. So, look, <laughs> we'll go down with that shit because we own it here on the hot take. Uh, awesome episode, bro. I had fun with these in or outs. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, check us out on Draft Pros at the FSGN.com. Uh, we're going to put that up on Twitter here soon so you can kind of uh, figure out a little bit more information about that. Check us out on Full Time Fantasy, hashtag FTFPodNet uh, over there with Jim Day and the guys. Uh, you can catch all of our stuff over there on their network. Um, of course, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, the whole shebang. Uh, on behalf of Blake Sullivan, my name is Stephen Taroni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast.